Hi, I'm Pastor Lori Boucher, and I want to personally welcome you to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Are you ready to study the Bible together chapter by chapter? If you go to heartstrong.life and sign up for a free membership, you will get access to the full Bible reading plan and all the bonus discipleship content that we have prepared for you. Open up your Bible and get ready to take some notes because God is going to speak to you today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together through the study of God's Word. Well, we want to welcome you to the Awakening Moments podcast, Heartstrong edition today. So today we're doing a special uh, live Awakening Moment podcast video, um, and we're recording it also for the podcast. And we are doing this for our Heartstrong community and those who are part of our Awakening Moments podcast community. And we're really excited to dive into this conversation today. We want to talk about the importance of discipleship, but we actually want to take it from the perspective of the impact that discipleship has on the future generations to come. So what we do today actually matters not only for our own lives, but also for what is going to happen in the future. And so it's interesting if we could live with that perspective. We're supposed to be eternally minded. We're supposed to actually live our lives with an aspect of eternity kind of in our purview, like everything we do today matters in eternity, but it also matters for what God wants to do on the earth, how he is, um, growing his kingdom, building his kingdom, uh, you know, kingdom now, all of that stuff matters today. And what you do and what I do actually, actually matters. And so we want to just dive into this conversation. You know, there are some prophetic senses that we're sensing about this time and about the future, but also specifically about your role. Those who are listening to this about your role in what God is doing right now. So I'm excited just to have this conversation today. And I just want to start by reminding us of our focus for this month. We're talking about a disciplined life and we want to live a disciplined life, you know, developing the, um, Developing our spiritual disciplines through Heartstrong is all about living a disciplined life. We want to be disciples of Jesus. And in order to do that, we have to walk out a disciplined life. And the three ways that we're investing in that and sort of focusing in on our discipleship and Heartstrong this month are through abiding. We want to belong to the family of God. We want to know and we want to abide in the truth that Jesus abided in, that he was a part of the family of God. He was the son of God. And we're grafted into that family. I am a part of the family of God. It's an identity that we must have. And if we're going to actually stay in faith for the long haul, we've got to know that deep, deep in our spirits, nothing can take that from us. We want to follow in the ways of Jesus, in the values of Jesus. And this month, our focus is on loving God and loving others. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the heart of Heartstrong altogether. And lastly, we want to practice the ways of Jesus. We want to practice how Jesus operated in spiritual gifts and the actions that he did. And so this month, we want to look at what it looks like to serve people with compassion. So that's sort of our focus for this month. So let's dive in a little bit, Rhonda, to this conversation about discipleship and about, you know, how what we do today affects what happens tomorrow in a very significant way. You know, and this is, I think, even as we're talking about generations, one of our passions, like we've been dialoguing this 
for the past little bit about the importance of generations, even as we're looking at the next generation, not the future church, they are the church, but looking at like our young adults, our kids, our youth, how are we discipling them? Because it matters. It matters not just for the years to come. It matters now because these are critical time. This is a critical time and critical moments in their own development that I think back in my own life was modeled to me, but also nurtured in me at these ages that equipped me for the years now, really all that preparation. Right. But I just want to say, this is maybe a, like a sobering thought, but I was thinking about this the other day about my grandparents and how I don't actually know a lot about them. Now, some on this call may know a lot about their grandparents, but I know my grandparents' names. I know where they were born, but I don't know a lot about their lives. Both of them passed away when I was quite young. Like most of my grandparents, I didn't really know them, didn't live close to them. And I was just thinking about just that, my grandparents, how little I knew of their lives and how sometimes we can put so much importance on what our remembrance of us will be. Like really about us, like the generations to remember us. And I'm just saying this in my own mind. I was thinking, would my grandkids know a lot about me? Would my great, great grandkids know a lot about me? However, what's really encouraging about that, the answer is probably no. Like we are literally, even all through the scriptures, when I read about even in Psalms and in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, help us to remember that our days are fleeting. Help us to remember the brevity of life. Help us to remember that we're like grass. We're here today, gone tomorrow, like in the scheme of life, our life of eternity and even of humanity, our life is like this little tiny whoop in time and then it's, it moves forward. However, this is not to discourage us. The significance is held in the generations we're imparting to in the present and now, because what I do now is a course setting decision for the next generation that will impact that generation. So instead of being overly consumed with, will I be remembered? How am I impacting the generations that are directly connected to me? Because they're going to directly connect to the next generation and move that course forward for good or for bad. Now they'll, God moves things around. As we know, God has a redemption plan. Things can go this way and God just brings everything back. But as we're talking about this today, it's not so much thinking too far, but yet thinking too far, because as we impact this generation, it's going to impact the next generation, the next generation. So what we do today impacts generations forward, but we actually can't feel or touch that. But in the spirit, we can speak into it, but we can make an impact on the generations right in front of us. And it really does matter. It matters how we live our life. It matters the principles that we put into practice. It matters the spiritual disciplines that our children see. It matters. And not just our biological children, our spiritual children in our church community. It matters what we're doing because we are setting a course. We are literally setting a table and it's for them to come to partake, to learn, to grow. And I just love that it's this scripture. Deuteronomy is full of this. I'm in Deuteronomy right now, which is about the blessings and the cursing, choosing life or death. It talks a lot about generations. It talks about your children's children, your grandchildren, and God giving a warning. Like you need to do this. You need to understand there's ramifications to your life for your children's children's children. And so this is an encouragement. It's also a sobering warning that we can live in the here and now for ourselves. But we need to think of what we're doing is impacting the generations ahead of us. But our direct contact is the most significant 
impact that we're having now. But I love that it says this in Deuteronomy 31. Do this, because he's talking all about what he's given instructions for the Israelites. This is what God is imparting. This is what I want you to do. You need to follow these commands. And at the end, in, in verse 13, he says, do this so that your children who have not known these instructions will hear them and will learn the key word here is learn. This is where discipleship comes into learn to fear the Lord, your God. So this is really what we're talking about is how we are being discipled is how we're then teaching others to really follow the instructions of God and to learn and to grab hold of those practices. It's so true. I have so many thoughts running through my head as you're sharing all of that. Like my mind, I feel like it's just going in a million directions. I think about, you know, I think about the, where we're placed sort of generationally right now, like just our age, just where we're at. And, you know, I think both you and I specifically in our, um, sort of like where we find ourselves, our parents are first generation Christians, both of us. So, and then our kids are coming up in the ways of the Lord. So there's right now three generations that exist and it, and it gives me this idea of like the, the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob generation. Now, again, you know, you who are listening, you may be a part of four generations of people that have followed Jesus, five generations of people that have followed Jesus. Um, so this may not apply specifically. You may also yourself be a first generation believer, and you may be someone who's single and doesn't have children that I, I want you to know that this conversation we're having today is not about sort of where you find yourself in a natural sense in sort of the family setting generationally, all of that, try and think of this conversation in a spiritual sense and the significance of your spiritual decisions having an impact on future generations of people that will follow Jesus. Yes, obviously we can personalize that if you have sort of a family context for this, a natural family context for this, but this goes so much bigger than a natural family context. You know, like if I were to imagine my own children not following Jesus, my decisions still matter for future generations of people that will follow Jesus. So it's, it's not, it's too small to just view it as like the impact I have only affects my personal children, the impact that we have and discipleship matters because the decisions that we make today actually affect the future of the church at large. And so we want every single one of us to understand the significance of being discipled. And in HeartStrong, we define discipleship as one who's been saved by grace and is becoming more like Jesus by abiding in him learning how Jesus lived and following his ways. So heartstrong discipleship is the practice of becoming more like Jesus by rooting our identity in him, in his saving grace, following in the character and values and the ways of Jesus over one's entire life. And this is kind of the hinge point, I think, about discipleship is that in order for us to follow in the way of our master Jesus, we actually have to do it over the course of our entire life. So it's it only works if we do it every single day, because the day we stop following Jesus, it's like it almost cancels <laughs> all that's come before. The day we say, I'm done, I'm out, this isn't working, I'm walking away, God is not faithful to me, I'm out, I'm done with this. 
it's like everything that's happened up to that point sort of gets canceled in the moment. Now, the thing about our redemptive God is that the moment we come back, he redeems all of it. He, none of it is lost when we're walking in the promise in what he's given us. But I want to stress today, the spiritual significance of your following Jesus over the course of your entire life for the future of the church, the bride of Christ and us becoming that pure and spotless bride. Jesus is, um, building his church. God is going to build his church, but we want to be a part and for our whole lives, keep putting bricks, keep building this beautiful kingdom on earth that God has established. So I just, I really want people to grab hold of that. I really want you to grab hold of that as you listen to this conversation, as we wrestle this out. But what I see right now is that you, and this, this is going to be massively generalized. Okay. So this isn't going to be exactly specific, but I can see sort of an Abraham generation of people who have sacrificed a lot, like they've sacrificed a lot. Many of the Abraham generation are either first generation immigrants. They've had to leave everything that they knew to start a new life or they're the children of first generation immigrants. So then you've got the Isaac generation coming up and, you know, I'll put we in that, in that category, in this context, you know, you and I, Rhonda, like we haven't had to sacrifice as much as our parents did. And so it does give a different sort of a uh, stick rootedness, maybe a different kind of rootedness. And so you've seen in our generation not the same commitment to walking out their faith as you see in the Abraham generation. You see, even if you look across Heartstrong, you do see more of the Abraham generation digging into discipleship, wanting to spend their life becoming Heartstrong disciples of Jesus. It gets a little less with the Isaac generation, us, and then it gets a little less, even more or less with the Jacob generation, the one that's kind of coming behind us. And so, um, yeah, there's, I, I think it's concerning, like it's concerning for the future, um, these realities that we see today. And that's exactly, I think we need to look at it, not just from where we are, what church is, but seeing it as a multi-generational movement that continues to replicate. And I think exactly that God is, I love that God says all through scripture, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, of Jacob. Right. He said, I'm not just the God of this generation. I am the faithful God that goes from your children's to your children's and even children's generations. And then we even see the lineages that God puts in scripture. Spiritual lineage matters. Him totally, like you've got of corruption and then God brings a redemption moment to like almost reset and to say, Hey, I'm resetting here. And then it goes. And then once again, humankind goes back, but God's redemptive power. And like in this, we're not saying if, you know, if there is a change that God can't do like redeem any generation, or we're not saying that today, but we're saying the significance and the sober I think aware, we have a sober awareness of looking at our young adults, looking at our youth, thinking, okay, God, we hold a responsibility here, not just say, okay, God, we wash, we wash our hands clean, do what you're going to do. We just trust you to do. You're going to build your church. No, we actually have an incredible responsibility. And that's why we have the scriptures because we can see the consequences of each generation's decisions, good or bad. 
and imperfectly done. That's not what God is talking about here, but he's talking about the pursuit. And he's saying here, oh, Israel, the Lord, your God is one. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this is what he's saying. Teach your children to do this. Teach them that it may go well with them because God has a generational mindset, but he's also putting an exchange on us to be a part of that journey and that partnership with him. And I really do believe as we've come in, if I'm just speaking specifically right now, as we've come out, as we've come out of this pandemic, I really believe God is bringing a great awareness because we look at Isaac, Isaac lived a very obedient. He picked up, yes, every generation has a different mantle or a different time, a different cultural, their anointing and equipping. It can be very unique to each generation. But the Jacobs, as Israel, as um, Isaac was faithful, Jacob was the multiplier. Uh, when you look at all the tribes that came from Jacob, you look I at that. that. I right? love that. Multiplier. So I feel like right now, God is saying like, there's a multiplication coming but God is putting this ownership on the obedience of our generations to disciple, even not going to church can seem so I'm using this as an example as a spiritual discipline. Oh, go there, go there. Like it's not a big deal. We can watch online now, you know, I'm not really connected anyway. You know, my kids haven't connected or I don't, we can use whatever, whatever reason why it's not a major principled spiritual discipline in our life that we hold true to it is going to have major ramifications for your children because church will not even be on the radar like when i grew up it was like church five times four times a week it was like and it's kind of changed through time but the principle of coming together it talks about that do not forsake the assembling together it's how god made it but these things can be diluted if we dilute it and we dilute that concentrate it is just going to continue to become more watered down, watered down, watered down. And if we trace it back, we can trace it back to an, a decision made that we compromise something that was a principle for a bigger picture. Now, we're not saying that if you don't go to church, you don't love God. But I am saying over time, maybe you, that you're able to manage online, and but there is it never takes the place of community. It never takes the place of coming together. But your next generation, you are setting a course now that this is not important. This is not a priority. And they're not walking in. They're picking up where you left off. You're seeing it from where you started and are managing it from there. They're picking up where you left off. We are setting a course. And everyone needs to hear that today. We are setting a course. God has given us also a gift in the pandemic to reassess what is discipleship? What does it look like? What does the church look like? Do we just want people sitting in the church, not doing anything, being mobilized with their faith, not feeling the weightiness of how they live their life? No, right now. I want you to feel the weightiness of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we are instrumental in the lineage of our spiritual children. You are in that lineage. And it matters. This generation matters for the next, for the next, because it's about all the generations of the church. But everything is like a link. And it joins together. And so today I really want to bring a word of caution of not compromising the things that are easy to let go. We need to fight for the principles that will hold fast, that will not be compromised. So they're not diluted for the next generation with the right motive. 
It's not about religion. It's not about going to church because it's a religious thing to do. I'm going to church because I'm showing God, this is the time I'm giving physically to go somewhere as a first fruit and as a way of worship to say, I'm moving my body from my couch to a place of worship. There's a physical movement, a sacrifice, a a time commitment. And not only am I moving my body, I'm going to serve this church community. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get connected. And from that, my children are going to see me model what it is to be the church in the church. So I can also be the church outside of the church. And so I believe in the rootedness, the establishment of us bringing back into focus the main foundational truths and principles, because this is where the enemy is going to go after. It's not going to be always the big things that we're like, oh my goodness, this just happened. It's going to be one little compromise after compromise, dilute, dilute, dilute till it's so watered down. You can't taste the difference between the concentrate and what you're drinking now. It's so diluted. God wants to realign his church. And I believe because he's saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if it matters to me, you need to carry the heart. You need to carry the soberness. You need to be fully aware praying. And I want to say, I am not prayer is the foundational tool, the power and the power of faith and actions together. Faith is a prayer, the declaration, the prophecy and begin to do that. That's the faith side. But the action is I'm going to show up at church. I'm going to serve. I'm going to study my word. I'm going to be in community. This is the faith and action moving. And this is instrumental right now. I really believe there's a caution and a warning that the Lord is bringing. And that's why there's such a big attack on our young adults and on that generation. They are our multipliers. They are our multipliers. What we are believing for, for revival. I want to see with my own eyes. Trust me. I want to see with my own eyes, revival. I have a passion for revival of people coming to know Jesus and having a transformative encounter with Jesus, like such a supernatural encounter with him. But I may not see it with my own eyes. I may not see it, but I, our next generation could be the ones we need to continue to plow the ground in prayer, in principle, in discipline, because the promise is coming. And just like Moses promised, he brought them to that point. It wasn't where he was going to bring them, but he was faithful to bring them to that point. And God used Joshua. Jacob generation is instrumental. And that's why there's such an attack on them. We need to love them. We need to pray for them. We need as a church to really rally around these generations and to say, these are our, our spiritual babies and they matter for their generations to come. So I could go on and on about it, but I am so passionate about it. And I see why there's such an attack of even that generation being robbed, like there, we don't see as many. And that's very concerning for me. I also see our generation being robbed of compromise, of compromising and being robbed of staying to the concentrate of what God's asking us to do. We are diluting what our parents taught us. We put, we picked up, but we are now diluting. It's no longer a priority. These spiritual disciplines are not a priority. We are the priority, our personal pleasures, our time, our plans, that has now precedent over spiritual disciplines, but we are seeing it so short-sighted. It is so short-sighted and it will rob us. It will rob our children's children. So that's kind of what I really am sensing. Thank you for <laughs> that powerful exhortation. Honestly, honestly, Rhonda, you are so right on. That is it's so true. And even as you're talking about it, you're actually talking about the disciplines. What are these things, these things that we actually don't 
want to do <laughs> like this. Why do you think discipline is a fruit of the spirit? Self-control is a fruit of the spirit because there's these things that we know we need to do that we don't really want to do that. Even when we do them, they don't really feel that great. They don't really give us a big boost. They're not really that awesome in the moment, but every time we are building towards something significant. And again, I want with with your whole heart, I want you to hear me. You matter in this. The decisions you are making matter in this. Your prayer life matters. Your time of study in the word of God matters. Your humility to walk in obedience matters. Your repentance matters. Your church attendance matters. You serving in the community at church matters. It matters because there is a spirit of lethargy that is coming over the church that makes us believe that none of this actually matters meh, I think I'll just, eh, I'll maybe read a Bible reading plan on the Bible app when I think about it. Meh, I'll listen to this worship song once in a while. Meh, we have this very lethargic, very, this lethargy that's come over the church, that's come over our spirituality, that's come over our desire to love and please God. And God is literally up there in the river of life. I have everything you could possibly ever need or desire. It's available. And you're just kind of settling. You're sitting back. You're putting your feet up on the couch again in your spiritual posture. And you're just sort of like, I'm fine. And you know what? In some ways, that is true. It's a small T truth. You're fine because you're no threat to the enemy. So you're just sitting sort of coasting through life, but listen, you have a destiny and you have a purpose and God actually is preparing something significant for you to step into. And if you don't walk out each one of these decisions, if you don't actually just say, I don't feel like going to church today, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to physically get my body out of my house and I'm going to sit in church and I'm not just going to sit there and receive it. But I'm actually going to look around the room for someone to encourage today. I'm going to look around for someone to pray for. I'm going to look around for someone to invest in today. This is how we're going to build God has for us in the future. This is the revival that you're talking about. And it doesn't feel like a big, wow. It just feels like small acts of obedience. What I think we, we just recently watched Frozen, Frozen 2 with our good friend, Christina. And I love the song, Do the Next Right Thing. You have to make a choice that I am going to take a step to do just the next right thing. What is my next right obedient step? And it is significant and it matters. Let this go into your spirit right now, because I know the enemy wants you to feel like you don't matter. Like it's not significant. Like whether you pray or you don't pray, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't change the outcome. Nothing really changes. It's not significant. It is more significant than you could possibly realize. If God actually gave us eyes to see into the spiritual realm of what is taking place all around us, if we could actually see it, I think we're shocked to see how much um, 
activity and war is happening over us, when we just choose to sit back and not step into the promise, the fullness, the freedom that God has given us, the the, the new life, the abundant life that God has given us, when we just sit back and we let a malaise come over us and we just throw Netflix on again and we, we don't actually own the fullness of all that Jesus paid for us to have, I think we would be shocked to see the war that's happening over our souls. We think it's, it's not significant. doesn't matter. I don't matter. I don't really have a part to play. I don't really have a significant part to play. Oh my goodness. Every single part, physical part of our body must work in tandem together in order for us to be effective. We need you. The church needs you. The future needs you. God needs you. We all have to do this together and we want to do this together. And this is all a part of this call heartstrong. And I like what you said, Rhonda, it's not about legalism. We don't want to fall back into just a performance or like, these are the things you have to do. And then you have to sort of prove that you're doing these things to other people to, to seem like you are a spiritual person. It actually has nothing to do with that. In fact, all of these things really, we want them to be happening under the surface of our lives without actually being like, guess what? I go to church three times a week. I'm in Bible school. I do heart strong. I do, 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 do. That is not the point. And actually just doing is not going to make you become a true disciple of Jesus. We actually have to let God go here. We have to come with a posture of humility and repentance and confession. We want to see a confession culture in the church today. Like we've never seen before where we're just honest about the wrestles of our heart, but we're pressing into what God has for us one with another. Like this is the future of the church, not legalism, not just a whole bunch of things you have to do to sort of perform and appear and look like you are following Jesus. No, we actually have to do it from a deep inner place. And that is going to change the future. And so I just, we want you so to understand your significance in all of this. I love that because, oh Lord, that was so good. I'm like, yahoo, amen. That was so good because that's exactly on the outside. It can look the same, like a disciplined life, like religion like, or religion. They can look very similar, but it's the posture of heart we're talking about that we are literally doing this. We're not doing this to please God. He loves us, but God puts us in place because he knows us. We need this. We need this. God has given us his word because he knows our hearts will always lead us astray and that we so easily give in to the sin of our nature. We give into it. So these disciplines are for us to stay in intimacy with God. It's not to earn his love. It's not to earn, you know, there's no striving in that, but it's to stay intimate with God so we can hear his voice, know his voice and have a profound impact on the next, on our lives, what we're doing and on the generations to come. I also love that you brought the word of lethargy because there definitely is a spirit of lethargy over Canada. And I think even through the pandemic, the isolation, the comfort from, and there has come with it a spirit of familiarity, a spirit of comfort and compromise. They come together. This is what happens. One spirit opens up. It's almost like all their little minions come along with it. And we have now like a spirit of familiarity, lethargy, familiar. I've done it. Don't need to do it again. It's nothing new. Or even being that comfort 
brings compromise because I'm comfortable now. I don't recognize things being diluted. I don't recognize the dangers in front of me. I'm so lethargic and comfortable and familiar that you're not on alert. You're not watchful. And we're not, we're, this is coming from a place of rest. I want to be careful too. We're not coming from this place of this angst that we're always fighting the spiritual battle. It's from a burning. And earning, exactly. It's a place of complete spiritual rest and security in God's love, but also awareness that the enemy prowls like a roaring lion. And he's looking for one place of vulnerability because I tell you what, he's going after all the baby cubs. He's going after all of them. He's going after the weakest. He's going to take them out. And it's usually the little ones that are not as, you know, this is why God is saying you need to teach. You need to model. You need to teach. So right now, the opposite spirit of lethargy, compromise, familiarities is exactly what Heartstrong is doing. Exactly what God is calling his church to do, to be a disciplined church, to be a church that gets in, roots in, and it says, this is what is important for eternity. The kingdom now is not all these pleasure things, my own comfort, my way, what's easy. It's a kingdom now mentality to say, the kingdom now I am living it because this is having a kingdom impact. And so, yes, I love Lord that you even said that, like you matter in the body. Like when you come to church, your significance of even when you're in church is what creates church, it's community, it's family, it's God's idea. And so I feel like exactly what we are speaking about on a local level is happening on a complete country level that God is really bringing, almost like lifting our eyes to see what's happening, to begin to pray into it. That's why the enemy is so working, whether it's division, bitterness, offense, lethargy, familiarity, compromise, you name it. He's got his tool belt full and he is waiting for those vulnerable moments. So let's, when we're together as a community, there's a covering that comes to when we come together versus being isolated by yourself. You're at home. You're doing church by yourself. You're doing life by yourself. You don't see your blind spots. You don't see the vulnerabilities. You don't see what's happening because. All of us, we are so easily led astray. We're so easily get weary. We so easily get discouraged. We so easily become afraid. That's why we need one another. We need a church family. So even that, I break off the spirit of independence in the name of Jesus. I break off that spirit of pride. That's like, I'm doing it my own way. That song, I'll do it my way, is a spirit of pride. I'm going to, that's what independence is. I will do it my own way. I make the terms and conditions. And God is saying, I'm removing your terms and conditions. This is my terms and conditions. So align to the truth of my word, because my word is going to be the safe covering that you need, but you need to choose life, choose life. Once again, we go back to Deuteronomy. This will be fruitless what we are spending our time on, but this is the weightiness. It's like the kingdom. Now what we are spending our time on, what we are aligning our hearts to is literally for kingdom purpose. And this is what will remain. This is the fruit that will remain. Our houses, our sports, our things, our bank accounts will not remain. Our leisure will not remain. Our time will not remain here on earth, but this kingdom now mentality with him dictating the terms and conditions will remain and it will be fruitful for all of eternity. Oh, Rhonda, you just gave us our awakening moment for the day. 
terms and conditions. I love that. I mean, how many times do we go through the day where we're signing something, signing up for something online? Check here for the terms and conditions. I love it. I love it. God's terms and conditions. Are we submitted to that? Are we able to receive that? Oh my goodness. I just want that right in my spirit right now. Yes, Lord, I want to submit fully to your terms and conditions. I lay my own down all the things I have said to say, it has to look this way. I want these outcomes. This is what I want to see. And this is part of what we have to come to terms with. It's that we may not in our day get to visually see the promise that God has for us. Like we may not to actually get to see the full fruitfulness of what it is that we're actually investing in right now. But can we receive, and I just honestly want to speak this into your spirit. Can you receive today from God, a fresh vision of your significance in the kingdom of God, so that you make decisions that will set the stage for the future capital C church. Even if you don't get to see her in all of her glory, just like Moses, he was called. He was like, no, God, don't choose me. I don't even speak. I can't do this. God said, okay, fine. I'll give you your brother. He can do it with you. He said, he had the worst job. Like, honestly, Moses had the worst job leading this group of people for 40 years. And then God said, nope, you were not faithful to me. You will not get to experience the promise for yourself. And, but Everything he did over the course of his life set the stage for Joshua to walk into the promised land, to to finally experience peace, to finally experience the promise, only again, even in that, I mean, we tell this story all the time about promise. Promise actually, the promised land actually wasn't quite as great as sometimes, like it was like this end, you know, this end place where they, they, they ended up that was perfect and all the big grapes and all the <laughs> flowing with milk and honey. They had to fight for this land. They had to fight to keep this land. And this group of people have been fighting since that day. Like it's not been an easy, you know, road. So it's not like when we get to the other side that there's no hardship, that there's no difficulty. Listen, on this earth until Jesus returns again, there's going to be hardship, but the promise is that we can have joy in the midst, that we can consider it all joy, brothers and sisters, that we have trials of every kind. And will you be okay? Can you receive a vision today for your life and the significance that you have in following Jesus for the future capital C of the church, whether you get to see it or not? Will you receive that today? Will you receive that into your spirit so that every decision you make, you recognize has significant for the future, not just for yourself. Yes, you are inviting the kingdom. Now you are choosing life for yourself. Now you will actually walk in the blessing and the abundant life that Jesus has for yourself now, but it is so much bigger than you. It is so much bigger than you. It goes way beyond just you and what you can receive from what Jesus has done. Will you receive that vision today? And will you walk that out, whether you get to see it or not? And you know what? My hand is up. I say yes. I want it, but I say yes. I'm in. I'm in. I'll do it. I'll be faithful even if I don't get to see the fullness of the promise because I do believe there is a future church, a bride, spotless, without wrinkle, that God is building. And I want to be a part of this mission. I want to be a part of that because it is exciting and it is incredible mission. And I don't think there's a greater mission 
that we could ever be a part of. I don't think there's anything and there's nothing else that will last, like you just said. So I want to be a part of that. And I say yes. I say yes. Well, I say yes, too. And I know people watch this and be like, yes, me, too. I say yes. Exactly. God is giving us that. Once again, the vision of his heart is to go and to make disciples like this is it. And to stand on that promise that we have to make disciples, but in order to make disciples, we have to be disciples. God made them disciples and then he equipped them to go. But we have to be willing to pick up, like you're saying, Lori, to pick up that, the the cost of that, to say, I'm picking up my cross. I'm the cost of this. And I know that God has a plan and a purpose and I'm going to say yes to it. I'm all in for his terms and conditions. And even as we're talking about the promise of God and not being able to necessarily to see it, but to believe for it, because we're not necessarily just hoping for now. Our prayers are not just for now. We are declaring for generations. Think of the prophetic words that were said in the old Testament that were filled in the new Testament. Thousands of years have passed. Like this is exactly God's words will not return void. Our prayers are stored, are stored by God. He hears them. He answers them in his sovereign way. And I love, love the book of Hebrews chapter 11, when it talks about the great examples of faith and ex- what we've been talking about, the different heroes that we hear about of faith, but it goes on to talk about those that did not see the promise, but they had a vision for what was to come. And this is what we're talking about today. It matters what you do because you need a God vision of the future of our children's children of the church. This is why, once again, we bring it back to God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It matters. And I love this one verse in chapter 11, verse 13. It says, all these people died still believing for what God had promised them. Still believing. I love that. Still believing, holding fast what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. This is what we're talking about today. We hold fast to the promises of God, but if we don't see it in our time, we are holding fast for it from a distance. We see it from a distance that, and we welcome it. We welcome it to say, God, you are the one that are dictating the terms and conditions of these promises. We're going to hold fast to them and we're going to believe it till we cross to the other side. But we see from a distance, it's not just about us. It's about every generation to come. And we welcome that. We welcome the vision, the greater vision for the commission of making disciples and seeing the church built that he's building it. But we take that on and we say, okay, God, we're a part of it. And we say, yes. So I love that. I love it. We are fired up, fired up. It is so good. You know, a number of years ago, Rhonda, you and I went to a conference. I don't even know if you remember this. It was, it was quite a few years ago now, probably five or more. And I remember we had sat in a session and it was a mother and a daughter just talking a little bit about succession. And, and actually I don't even, I can't even remember really what they were talking about, but I do. I just remember feeling this sort of picture and this vision filling my spirit of a paved road. And I think you, you'd mentioned this even as you were talking today, but I I almost can see how every decision we make, it's like paving the road of the future direction of where the church is going. And every decision lays a little bit more foundation on the road and, and we're all walking, but we're all walking together on the road. It's not like, it's not like we're going ahead and paving it for we're, we're all together. We're all walking together as the church side by side on the road, 
but our decisions, every single one of us as part of the body of Christ makes a difference and actually pushes the kingdom of God further and paves this road a little further and a little further and a little further. And so again, I, I just, I really want us to leave today with a fresh vision that what you do matters. It actually matters. And if you need to be reminded of this again and again, if you forget Rewatch this video and receive this revelation afresh into your spirit again and again, because the enemy will keep trying to actually take this from you. He'll keep trying to diminish your role in the body of Christ to tell you it doesn't matter. No one cares if you show up. Look, they don't even call you when you don't go. No one even notices when you're there. It's not about that. You actually are responsible to bring to the table what it is that you have to bring. Nobody else can do that for you. Nobody else can call that out of you. You're responsible for what it is that God has given you and the part of the body you play. So you have to bring it. You have to bring that and be intentional about that and initiate that. Don't wait for someone to see it. Don't wait for someone to notice you or notice that you're not there or that you are there. Step into the fullness of what God has called you to do. If you believe you have a gift of healing, pray for people to be healed. If you believe that you have a gift of hospitality, make food for people, help them feel like they matter, like they're seen, just go and do it. No one has to give you a position. No one has to call this out of you. Whatever it is that's in you, bring it, bless the body, edify, empower one another, step into the fullness of what God has for you. Because as we all own that and then do that, we will be a powerful church. We're going to see some incredible things, the things we pray for, the signs and the wonders, we're going to see it. So step into that with all of your heart. Amen. And I just think we need to pray. We need to just say a word of prayer over it and just everything we've been talking about, because we can literally feel there is this even now spiritual warfare. We can feel it. It's almost so tangible. You can touch it. That we're like, no, but we are contending. We're contending for us. And I love that, Laura, how you said that. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to be the body part in the body of Christ that God's called us to be. Because we stand before God one day. He's not going to say, oh, that was, oh, I understand that. You didn't do that. Oh, okay. There's no excuses. It's to say, like, I, I was a steward of the time, the talent, the community, the city, the church, the family, the relationships that you gave me. And how did I steward that with you being Lord of all of those areas? Partnership, we are responsible and it's easy to punt the responsibility. It's easy to punt even the blame instead of going here and saying, okay, God, I am not perfect either. So how do I rise up and be a part of what you're doing? Instead of waiting for it to be done for me, I am an active participant in the kingdom now. I am not a bystander. I'm not waiting for the perfect time or waiting for when I feel like it or when I feel like I'm strong enough or perfect. No, I am going to engage it today. I'm just going to do it. This is the faith step that God is asking. So let's just pray into that today. And almost like an activation prayer saying, God, activate that in our heart, that urgency. So Father, we just ask right now for you to activate an urgency in our spirit, not just for what is in our lives, but for what is to come. But specifically right now, I speak in this first part of this prayer over every person watching, every person that is tuned in, that they would be activated in their spirit to rise, 
to be the significant part of the body of Christ that you called them to be. I right now cast down every thought, every emotion of insecurity, inferiority, of indifference, familiarity, independence, pride, comfort, fear, whatever it may be, God, bitterness, offense, division, opinions, that it would come down in the name of Jesus and that there would be a high call that each of us would answer to answer the commission to go and to make disciples together as a church body, that God, we would come together. God, you make us one as you are one. And may you just right now activate in our spirit, a hunger and a desire to be who you've asked us to be. And in that God, we thank you that it is for a greater picture. We welcome the greater picture. We welcome the bigger picture of the future church that we are instrumental. And so we lay hold of that. We take hold of that yoke and we grab hold of it. And we are willing to plow the alongside of one another because we know there are future generations that are depending on our faithfulness and our obedience, God. And God, you are using that. You are using our lives. We think that you're a redemptive God, but we feel the weight of our responsibility in this. We don't punt it off and just stand back and say, oh, we'll get done anyway. No, we carry the weight ourselves. So God, activate an urgency in our spirit in the name of Jesus that is supernatural in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we receive that today. Fresh vision into our spirit. You matter. You're significant. You're needed. We are in this together. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. We pray that you're encouraged. We pray that your spirit is uplifted. And again, if you need to watch this again and again and again to remember your significance, do it. Do it. It's here. It's here as a resource. Don't let the enemy take you out. Don't let the enemy make you think or diminish your gifts or make you think that, that you're not needed. You are needed, loved. You are seen. Let's become heartstrong disciples together. We love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's Bible study. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the Heartstrong shop with all kinds of awesome merch like hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs to remind you of this awesome journey of discipleship that you are on. Log in to heartstrong.life to access all your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible boot camp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.